Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Intercepted, presented by Acme Packing Company. I'm Justin Mosqueda. I'm joined here by one of our own, Archon. Say what's up to the people, Archon. What's up to the people? How we doing? How we doing? Uh, it, it's good. It's good. Just got back from a, a chamber event, so I rushed to try and fill the pod void that was that was left. <laughs> I want to talk first about the trade deadline. People are very mad, kind of understandably, but if you look at the options, I'm a whole lot less mad about this. I mean, I know people wanted to make a trade. People want something to come and save us, right? I mean, that's what it is. They want something to come save the season. I just don't know if it was available. I mean, one, first of all, team's already three and five, right? I mean, it's an uphill climb to make that. You have maybe two losses left in the rest of the season. It's week nine we're going into um, that you have available before, you know, you might get kicked out of the playoffs. The NFC East is probably going to get three spots. So you're talking about one spot between, I, I guess the way to think about it is, there's four spots between the Buccaneers, Falcons, Seahawks, Niners, Rams, Packers, Vikings. That's the way to think about it. I, I don't know if there's a wide receiver that would have made up the distance and assured you that you would even make it to the playoffs. And then even then, like, you're playing a road game against the Eagles in the second round, best case scenario. Like, I just didn't get the outrage of not making a move at the trade deadline. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing like you said is people wanted to be saved but there wasn't anything that was going to be out there that was going to do that i mean we saw you know two receivers moved yesterday and i don't think you know either of those are going to turn the packers into a juggernaut which is you know that's the level of play that they're basically going to have to do to just get the seven seed or maybe the six seed at this point you know because the nfc east teams have run so far in front that you're fighting and the division is, is basically over. Minnesota has such a large lead um, at this point and already has, you know, one win. So getting the tiebreaker there would even be one win over green Bay. And so getting the tiebreaker there becomes even harder. And so you're going to give up these assets so you can fight with teams that are probably better than you, even with whatever addition you get to get the right to get your ass kicked by Philly in round two, if things are go well, because I mean, we've seen this Packers team, we know what's going to happen if they run up against a good offensive line and uh, and a good running game. Like we, we know what's how that story is going to end. And as I think the end, you know, from, from my perspective, I think the most frustrating thing, even though I knew going into the day that just, that wasn't going to happen is this team probably should have tried to start this rebuild early because it is coming and, you know, they're gonna, you know, probably have to cut Aaron Jones in February and get nothing for him. When, you know, we saw what the, the Rams had offered for Christian McCaffrey. And if they're delusional enough to think that they're a running back away from, from that team being good, um, you know, you can let them do that. But outside of, you know, kind of accelerating the the rebuild there was nothing that they were going to do this week that was going to going to you know change anything yeah and they already had touched basically every contract so it wasn't like cap space was something that they could create i mean outside of i think it's dean lowry lowry's mm-hmm. the only guy that like really you could touch um you look at next year though and we're kind of deviating from the trade deadline thing but it kind of came up with the um the uh, Brandon Cooks trade, right? People talked about Brandon Cooks potentially landing with Minnesota, potentially landing with Dallas, potentially landing with Green Bay. Seemed like the hang-up was always his guarantees. Um, next year, he has an $18 million guaranteed salary. The Packers just couldn't really get that contract on their books. I mean, you look at next year, it's tricky when you look at all the Spotrac, 
um, and, and over the cap numbers because the, the 51 at the beginning of the season is totally different than like the actual season starting the Packers. Once the season actually starts, they're going to be like $30 million over the cap. And that's with all of these free agents hitting the market. Right. Um, now you can say, yeah, you can manipulate some of these things, which that's true. That is true. But I do wonder how many of these contracts they touch. Cause they could, I mean, a guy like Kenny Clark, you could touch his contract, extend him. Um, Aaron Jones is a little riskier one be, just because we know how running backs age. They might do it, though. They really might. I know you're saying, like, that you're shaking your head right now, Arcon, and you're like, no, we got to cut Aaron Jones. He's the entire offense. This man right is now. almost 30 years old. Like, what do you I, think I Aaron know Rodgers is going to say? You tell him to go to go retire. Like, the, this team. That hurts you even worse. Yeah, I mean. What are you going to do? Like the the thing you need to the, I mean and I and I've been on this for a while but like the thing you need to accept is if 2022 didn't work it was over because the Bakhtiari contract I mean it's going to be week to week you know whether he's available you know they might have to cut David Bakhtiari this this spring because he's due a, a, a pretty chunky roster bonus and you know Preston Smith is 31. Kenny Clark's going to go into his age 28 season, you know, Adrian Amos is going to be a free agent and he's going to hit your cap just because of what they did with the void years. And they, and they didn't extend it, which actually, you know, looking so far this season doesn't even look like, you know, that bad of an idea, um, you know, in a vacuum. And so basically this team's going to go in with three, basically three prime age players in Clark, Alexander, Rashawn Gary, and a 40 year old quarterback. And, and with, you know, what is not going to be amazing amounts of draft capital and they're that team's going to go compete. You know, you, you might trip into the seventh seed and congratulations, you're going to get whooped by, you know, good teams. Those teams that barely make the playoffs don't compete for Super Bowls anymore. You know, the, when the Packers did it in, in 2010, you know, and then we saw that the giants do a similar thing. That era has been over for a while. You know, if you're not one of the three best teams in your conference, you don't go to super bowls. Yeah. It it has been tough, especially with, I mean, really it started with the saints, right? The saints just pushing, not really pushing, prying that window just open as long as they possibly can. And then all the other teams realizing like, Oh, we can do this. And their quarterbacks being like, we want, this to happen right so now you're getting in the spot I mean I think it was what was it like week three Buffalo um was already the biggest Super Bowl favorite that we had seen since like the 07 Patriots to put that in perspective and Buffalo's just steamrolled since then and we're watching the Philadelphia Eagles game right now they're tied up at the half but they they're probably gonna be Texans um God, I hope so just for like you know, the world, my worldview staying like, intact. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, those two teams are running away with it and you're looking at what the Eagles are doing. I mean, they're buying, they bought uh, Robert Quinn on a rental and we're like, yeah, screw it. They were in on the Alvin Kamara trade. Like they, they didn't make it, but I mean, they're having those conversations. Like they're just full on like titles open, title windows open right now, hit it hard. I was thinking about this, um, really yesterday because I really started playing around with kind of what the Packers could do. And I do think that they have options if they do want to compete next year. Um, Not necessarily just like wide receiver and stuff. Obviously you're going to have to get guys like uh, Devontae Wyatt. Like he's going to have to play football games. Like, yeah, just try that. Everyone just does not talk about the first round pick who's 24 years old and just can't play NFL football right now. Has there been um, a single press conference question about that all season? Because that to me is like the most obvious question to ask is like, Hey, why is this 24 year old who was like a, a really, really old pick, particularly for the yeah. Packers who like, you know, Goot has an age fetish and LaFleur has a size fetish. Yeah. And, and so he's this old guy that they draft, which the whole point is supposed to be, okay, he can come in in this ground where we've got to, we have to compete in 2022. Okay. Well, this guy, boom, we have solved, you know, the three tech problem. Nope. Nope. We're playing, we're playing Jaron Reed. Who's, who's getting his ass handed to him and Dean Lowry, who the opening play of every week is getting his face thrown in the ground. You know, you got to try something else. Even if he might not be good, like Dean Lowry's not working either. Yeah. Him and Slayton. I would like to see them get looks, but there are ways this team 
like I said, I mean, you're going to have to take some long-term risks with pushing money for Clark, pushing money for Aaron Jones and stuff moving forward. You could touch the Aaron Rodgers deal. I mean, a lot of this does come back down to like, what's the confidence that you have that like Aaron Rodgers is going to be keep, keep playing. Cause the Packers can't make a lot of these decisions unless they get something from Rodgers that says like, I am going to be around for the next three years because then it will not be worth it for him. Right. So there's that option of, okay, let's keep this team together as long as we can. Right. Let's, let's do what we can. It's going to be pinching pennies a whole lot, or it's just like, let's take our medicine and then a new title window kind of opens up in 2024. But oh, it's like, longer, it's longer than that, buddy. It ain't 24. It's like, because if, if they eat some of this dead cap, I mean, they'd have to get one, the cap is going up Two, they'd have to get some free agents in. Like they'd have to make a big swing in 2024 and almost the same way that they made like the, the two Smiths and, and Turner that one year in free agency. Okay. So but you're saying course, if Rogers is just like, okay, we can be bad in 2023 and yeah. I'll just kind of mail it in basically for a year. And then we'll try and compete in 24. That's what you're yes. kind of saying in that case to take the medicine. See, I, yeah. I initially took it as like, okay, you know, we're just going to be bad. And then, you know, the post Rogers there, it's like, if that happens, yeah. like if, if Rogers retires, I mean, I don't think people are quite ready for how terrible the 23 team is going to be. It's going to be like Bears-esque in terms of just like you tear everything down to the studs. You've you Your starting lineup has non-NFL players in it, like guys who are practice squad type players in it. And that's fine because if you're going to be that bad, I mean, you might as well really go for it to try and get that quarterback. But I would, they're talking at least a two-year like deep rebuild. But Yeah, if, I mean, if Rodgers retires, that's when it's like – Oh, remember when everyone was complaining about like Tariq Carpenter and like Jonathan Ford just like being on the roster and not play football? Like those guys are going to be playing now because you have no money. You have no money at all. I think it'd be something like, I think it was like north of 45 million in dead cap for him not to play next year. So if he retires, which who knows, man, no one's in control of this guy. No one can get a commitment out of this dude, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's been a banner week for uh, conspiracy weirdos in the sports world. And so you really don't know where things can turn. Yeah. I, I want to get back to the trade deadline because these, these were kind of the options, right? So the one guy who can play this year, right, was Chase Claypool. The Packers apparently, um, this was reported by Tom Silverstein, said that um, he said that, you know, the Packers – offered a second round pick for Chase Claypool, who's going to have to have his contract redone probably this off season. Um, he's 24 year old. So he's relatively young, but I mean, he's had like 300 yards this year. And a lot of people keep pointing like his rookie year, he had 10 touchdown receptions. That was a terrible passing offense. And now they have more receivers and they kind of forgotten about Chase Claypool. Claypool makes a lot of sense in the Packers system in that like height, weight, speed, he kind of fits everything LaFleur wants to do, but if you already have Alan Lazard, I don't think it made a lot of sense to to add Chase Claypool. Um, I know Lazard's not going to be there next year, but like, I don't know. Give me Lazard instead of a Claypool extension and giving up a second round pick. The Bears, luckily, in my opinion, like they snagged him, so we don't have to deal with that. I I can't. Why are Packers fans mad about this? What were you going to offer a second and a fourth? Because that's probably what it would have taken to get it done. Or a first? Yeah, give it a first round pick for this guy. Get out of here. No, so like the Claypool thing, so, uh, he has about every excuse in the book as to like why he hasn't been productive because his like height, weight, speed thing, you're like, okay, this is like a, a dominant down the field threat. And then his body size, like you said, plays pretty well. You know, you can insert him into the formation. He can do a lot of the Lazard dirty work stuff too. Um, you know, the the new like ESPN receiver rating analytics that just dropped, I think today, I actually like Claypool quite a bit. And he's been playing, you know, with Roethlisberger and then um, Trubisky, Trubisky and now and, and now Pickett. So it's like you're you're playing with guys who just who can't throw the ball down the field at all. Um, but you know that, like you said, though, that's a lot. Like Green Bay can't give up a first for Chase Claypool. He was drafted in the second round, and now you've eaten up basically all of his rookie deal. You know, you've got one year left. So and now because of the way that the leverage works in these is he's going to kind of have Chicago over a barrel here. Number one, because they've got they, Chicago's going to have more cap space and they're even going to be able to really spend um, next year. And so he'll probably have them over a barrel in terms of you guys gave up, you know, a, what is it? 
basically going to be a first round pick yeah, for him. It's going to be a top 40 pick. Yeah. Probably. And so, you know, and if you do that as Green Bay, okay, now you have to go extend Chase Claypool with what money that you don't really have. And so you, you know, the way that you're going to have to to really try and backload those cap hits in terms of like roster bonuses, like what they did with the Bakhtiari deal, where it's like roster bonuses that are really signing bonuses, but we have to make them roster bonuses just to get through the first year. Um, you know, that's going to leave you in a, in a, in a rough situation anyway, for a guy who who is wide receiver three in Pittsburgh, like it's not like Pittsburgh's receiving room yeah. is just completely loaded. It's fine, but it's, you know, you're not pulling somebody off the 2011 Packers. Yeah. And that Steelers passing offense is probably the worst in the league right now. And I know a lot of that has to do with the quarterback, but still um, the other, another option, Brandon cooks was a guy that again, was talked about that $18 million was a big deal. It seemed like that was the hangup for the Dallas Cowboys and they were working on it to the last minute. And it's like, how had that not come up yet? Um, the, the deadline to rework some of these contracts had already passed. So it's not like Houston could even have done anything. The Cooks thing is something I want to watch. And it seems like Dallas is the place he's kind of circled and highlighted. But if the Packers can get a couple wins under the belt and if Cooks makes a big enough mess, I mean, the only time I've seen a big enough mess to kind of justify a release of that size was like Antonio Brown. But Cooks has not been showing up to practice. He's inactive for this game on Thursday night football. It doesn't seem like he's happy. I don't know if he's going to take it the distance, but if he wants to, I'd like to have him on the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's good. I just can't afford him at that $18 million right now. The problem with Cooks, though, and I saw this today, is that Houston actually cannot afford to cut him this season they would have to rework the other deals on the books and so if you're Houston he's just you know throwing a fit and being uh you know even if he's just like not skipping practice but he he, you know he comes into the building and he's just being a malcontent just send him home because the Texans aren't going anywhere this year and so you you just deal with it in the offseason you you know rework his contract in the offseason to trade him you know which also the and the thing so let's just say we were existing in a world in which Houston reworked his deal they were asking for a second and a fourth per report. So that's basically a first rounder's worth of draft picks. Brandon Cook's contract is a negative value contract right now because yeah. his his salary is 18 million fully guaranteed next year. So that and you know, even if they do the conversion stuff, you pull it down. There's really no reasonable way that Houston was going to eat enough money to make that a real positive value contract where they should have been getting anything more than a fourth. And so their asking price, which you know. Houston typically has been getting kind of uh, screwed in trades by, you know, sending out too much. In this case, they were just asking for, you know, it's one of those things where as a general manager, you just hang up the phone because it's so far divorced from, you know, the real wide receiver market that it's just not even worth engaging in discussions any further. And when you do the money on, cause we've had a couple of these now in the NFL where you can kind of pinpoint like, what is a million dollars worth of cap space worth in draft value? A sixteen million, which is what I believe was the Brock Osweiler, um, the Brock Osweiler trade, was worth like a second round pick. So if you're trying to get them to eat that money on top of that, and they view it as net zero, and you view it as a negative, that's another second round pick on top of that, and that's is just never going to happen. I mean, the, again, the 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 window for even these mechanisms to happen had already passed which i do Um, not do you understand why that is like why does this deadline exist basically 24 hours before the deadline when all in all of these contracts the conversions are automatically reserved as the rights of the team so i don't understand why players because in all these cases you know and again the nfl trade deadline is usually pretty mild and when they're constructing cbas they're not thinking it's going to be super active because it really hasn't been until the last couple of years but why would these players who then the case are largely on bad teams not want to go to good teams where they can you know in hypothetically perform better and therefore potentially increase their future earnings because especially when teams trade for a player you know, these players basically have the teams over a barrel in terms of contract extensions. We see this over and over and over again. So I don't know if this is just some weird like oversight by the players association, but it seems like kind of an own goal procedurally. Yeah. I think one, the NFLPA doesn't want you touching contracts in general. Right. And then two, I would think just the mechanics of getting 
the contract renegotiated and then getting the trade through the NFL before that deadline, which again, there there's gotta be a better way. Are they sending it via mail? It's a, well, there was that whole weird like fax thing, right. Um, With uh, Elvis Doomerville back in the day. Like, can you imagine a situation where a player negotiates their contract, the contract goes through, but then the trade is like one minute late. Oh yeah. Now the players are making less money. Because Manchester United's goalkeeper, David De Gea, like five years ago, was supposed to go to Real Madrid on deadline day, and the fax was a minute late getting in. So he's and he's still there. So he's just been at United ever since then. Yeah. See. So like, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's one reason. Um, Jerry Judy was a guy that didn't seem like the Broncos were going to budge off of much. You know, uh, Rob Domofsky said the Packers were planning on trading for a player that was then kind of pulled off of the market. I don't know if that would be. Jerry Judy, um, Ben Albright reported that the the Broncos were looking for a second and a fourth round pick. They weren't really trying to sell, even though they traded Bradley Chubb for a first round pick. Um, so that's another name. I mean, the the weird thing with Judy and uh, Cooks, and it's a question I haven't really had answered yet, and it's something that's like worth monitoring with Samari Toure, right? These smaller, right? They're not necessarily small. But these smaller wide receivers, right, the guys who are under, like, 205, they don't really get play from the Packers. Like, the Packers bring in a couple of them as undrafted free agents in the summer. They usually don't even make the practice squad. The Packers end up drafting the bigger guys. They end up playing the bigger guys. Would Jerry Judy and Brandon Cooks only be third-down players like they told Odell Beckham Jr. that he was going to be for this team? If they made that move, because it's to me, it just blows my mind. Like I have some, like this is where I kind of have an issue with the way that the roster has been built in the Lafleur era, where they, like you said, they are targeting these bigger bodies because they like to get them involved in the run game. They like to be able to insert, and also they like, you know, a lot of their offense, particularly with Devontae Adams, was built off of we're going to throw Adams the ball on these now screens or these bubbles. And then we'll have Alan Lazard and, and MVS blocking. Cause they're, they're bigger guys who can, you know, I mean, Lazard's like two thirty, and right. the corner he's going up against is like one ninety, And so he's just moving bodies. But what we've seen as the biggest kind of Achilles heel of the, of the offense is that when we just get into, okay, it's third and seven and we gotta, you know, we have to convert here. And now we see what teams are doing here. Yeah, it's like, okay, (laughs) it's literally just Randall Cobb right now because you don't have anybody that can really beat man coverage. And, you know, we've seen, I know know you had mentioned something um, in in Slack uh, last week where teams are playing an obscene amount of two-man, which two-man is like the most disrespectful coverage an NFL team can really play on you because they don't think your receivers are any good and they also think your quarterback is slow. And so... If, if you're getting caught and, you know, teams are just playing, you know, base level two man and it's, and you don't have anything you can do with it, you know, maybe you need to kind of tweak the way that you want to build the offense and some of the profile of players that you need that, you know, okay, maybe being able to convert these third and sevens or when we get down two scores, which is going to happen, we've seen this happen, you know, against the Niners and then it happened against the Buccaneers as well in the playoffs where it's just, Okay, now we, you know, it's if Devontae Adams doesn't do 14 catches for 197 yards and two touchdowns, we're not coming back in this game, you know. And that was something we were actually spoiled with as Packers fans for, you know, basically a decade where the receiver room was, was four or five deep yeah. of guys who could legitimately beat that man coverage. And so, you know, telling OBJ is like, yeah, you'll play like 25% of the snaps. That's ridiculous because it's it's also we know it can work because he went to a similar system and was a major part of their offense. So it's not like this. You but know, they, you don't, they transitioned in the gun and all that stuff. Like they were probably. And you can do that. Like that's they the can, but you they don't. They don't do want it. To. They don't yeah, want to. You, you just wanna. you have to be adaptable because the thing is, is there's not enough six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pound guys on the planet who run four or five. There are not enough of them for you to only try and acquire those guys. Like you look around the NFL, it's like what Lazard, Claypool, Cooper Cup is actually like surprisingly big. Like Devontae Adams is pretty big, but there's not that many guys. You know, most of your receivers are going to be sub 210. And like, so you have to be able to make that work. 
that's why I um I looked into uh this this upcoming draft class, right? And I wrote it up on the site about kind of wide receivers to watch first couple rounds and there's really one in the first round. I mean, it's Quentin Johnston, the the wide receiver from TCU. Um the other guy, I'm spacing on his name, uh the the Wake Forest guy, he's more of like a MVS type of just like super he's like 65 long strider like track speed um probably a little bit better than mvs but you you guys get what i mean there's not that many guys available in the draft even the amari rogers class you look at wide receivers who are as big as amari rogers it was him and then it was nico collins that was it the Packers took the first big wide receiver off of the board and it was amari and even though he's short he's wide right so yeah. and, and they and use him up- as an insert guy and all yeah. that stuff and it is it is a limiting I'm not gonna lie to you and say it's not a limiting factor, but super it limiting. What they, it's what they do. But we also we also know that they're you know, at least I shouldn't say we know from reports that we got from Aaron Rodgers about the first round grades they had on receivers, we know that they are not like fully committed to this. Cause you look at the first round receivers that were in this last draft, okay, like Traylon Burks is like big, but he's big in like a, this is basically a running back kind of way, not in like a, you know, we're going to pull him into the formation. He's going to block defensive ends kind of way. But but Garrett Wilson, like Chris Olave, which you've seen him in those new receiver metrics, it'll just break your heart. He is fantastic. The Packers apparently really did like Olave. And it's like, okay, so hashtag sources. so. So that guy, like you're obviously, you're not pulling him into the formation. He is rail thin. Yeah. And it's like your offense can at least have one of these guys. And so I don't understand why you would, you know, be so self-limiting when right now this roster doesn't really have that guy. Like Romeo Dobbs is probably that guy, but I mean, yeah. to, to his credit, I mean, he's, he's blocked his ass off a lot this year and he's not even that small. I mean, he's still like a two Oh five kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And even Sammy, Sammy is kind of a true outside wide receiver for them in that, like, they get in all these condensed splits, right, and Sammy will still be split out wide. This last game, they had him kind of doing the Lazard stuff. It was not the prettiest. He, he put out an effort. I'm not going to, like, that's a hard thing to do, but he, he was not Alan Lazard yeah. doing he it. Looked, he looked like a true ex trying to just really giving it a good go. Yeah, and I think the the speed stuff, right, that we just mentioned – I think it's less apparent in this past game, but when Rodgers was hurt enough that the team was not really willing to go under center a lot and they were just RPO game the entire time, that's when it was the most pronounced. I mean, that's when they needed that two week stretch against uh, what was it? The commanders and the jets. Jets, Yeah. That's, that's when they needed that speed guy the most. And they just did not have that guy. And it's why the offense just completely sputtered, even though, the opposing passing games weren't even doing a, a great job. You know, I mean, th- those two games in total, what, there was like that one big play to Terry McLaurin, and that was kind of like it from the opposing teams. Um, the last guy that was traded, Calvin Ridley, he was sent for two draft picks to have a bunch of conditionals to Jacksonville. So he's back in Florida where he got suspended for, for gambling on NFL games. Um, that would have been one that would have been interesting because you at least would have – Figured out where the timeline of the Packers was, right? Because that would have signaled, all right, 2023, we're going in on 2023. I don't know what they're doing right now. I really, I, and, and this isn't to knock them, but we just have no signals. We have no signals at all. Like, okay, this team is going to have to rebuild. When is it coming? Or are you just going to try to like push through the end of this? Yeah, the Ridley thing, I mean, it would have been by far the funniest trade to occur. Like, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, and, and he kind of would have helped solve the speed thing. I mean, he's not the same type of deep receiver, but he he can move, and he's been quite successful in kind of those intermediate to kind of short, deep ranges, which the last few weeks, I mean, Green Bay would have killed to have anyone working in that kind of 15 to 25-yard range. I mean, it would also help if the quarterback would actually throw to those areas of the field ever. Um and so Tua, you know, like, Tua is leading the league. Yeah. Well, running and the, thing the is, same system. Well, it, it's the thing is, is it's like the Tom Brady deep ball where it's not like he's throwing it deep. He's just, you know, it's a snap and I'm throwing it like after one and one and a quarter seconds. And it's just ending up 25 yeah. yards downfield, but I'm not really seeing it open. It's, you know, I have Tyree Hill and Jalen Waddle. They'll be able to win and I'll just 
trust that they're winning. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but with the Ridley thing, I mean, yeah, we would have gotten some signal, but the thing is, is I don't think the front office really knows, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, even if 12 is like, yeah, I'm coming back. Can you trust him? Like, would you trust him if he's saying that? Like, I don't know if I would. And, and now for green Bay, it's probably less of a price to trust him because whenever the end is, it's just, it's going to be so bad that, you know, and the Packers are not a particularly rash organization. So I'm sure it is understood from the front office, from a job security perspective that like, yeah, when Rogers leaves, you guys will have a couple of years to kind of put the pieces back together. Like that's yeah. something that's probably been a discussion sure. between Gutekunst and, and, and Murphy. And so, you know, it's not like, Oh, Murphy's going to be out soon, right? Oh, he that's said he's true. retiring at 60 or whatever. So that's true. Get a new team president. Um, maybe we'll have a whole, a whole uh, head full of handsomes um, running the team. now. Could, could we run? Could we run? <laughs> could we swing the vote for APC? I did when I, when I got, the shareholders thing. I did learn that there's like clauses. There are clauses to prevent a hostile takeover of the Green Bay Packers, which I thought I was going to be able to win a local election. That's not necessarily how this thing works out. The one question I do have about so obviously there's a question about like Rogers, is he coming back? And if he is coming back, how many years? Because they kind of need a commitment in terms of like we need to know what type of a timeline we're talking about now, right? Um Came out earlier this week, Sean McVay, you know, he's tied to kind of that like Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, Jalen Ramsey core. And whenever they go, he's going to end up retiring, which I don't think is surprising. Um, he had talks with Monday Night Football. That yeah, like he almost happen. retired yeah. after the Super Bowl. <laughs> that doesn't happen without you knowing about it, even if your agent is doing that on your behalf, right? Going from an NFL head coach to being on TV is – it's a career change that you got to have conversations about. Especially he's what, like 35, 37. Like he's not like, you know, he should be early in his career, but it's pretty clear that he's like, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to live this, you know, life, which frankly, like the life of a NFL coach sounds pretty miserable when it's like, Oh, I could just do TV work and make a ton of money and work like three days a week. Not only that, but I mean, I know it's not good to say Gruden's name right now, obviously, because of all the stuff that's come out since then. But, like, look at Gruden. Gruden just went and did TV and then was like, I can pick wherever I want to go. And he got a 10-year, $100 million contract. The most asinine thing that I have ever seen. Which, like, he could do it. He could do it. Like, if McVeigh retires and then three years later is like, hey, I want my pick of these jobs. Sean Payton right now. Is eyeball? I can tell you guys this because I already talked about it on SB Nation NFL show. Sources told me Sean Payne's already eyeballing the Cardinals and the Chargers, and he's only been out of the league for a year. But we, what he doesn't have to do is he doesn't have to deal with the rebuild in New Orleans, and now he gets to pick a place that has a quarterback. It's easier to quit and go and do TV or take a year off and then just populate with a quarterback on another franchise than to go through a whole other rebuild. So, like, my question is like, Matt is young enough to be able to do that stuff. If if we know there's a rebuild on the horizon, like, are we sure he would stick through it? I mean, we do. We don't. I wouldn't blame him. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't I, blame him. Like, like the Packers job, like when, um, whoa, buddy, <laughs> um, the Packers job, when this era is over is so undesirable it's it's not you know it's not houston texans level bad because of the complete organizational dysfunction but i would equate it to like what the philly job looked like when uh nick sirianni took it like high-end assistant coaches were just like i'm not interviewing because that looks yeah, so bad was, but was what like, they didn't take into account is that howie roseman was just going to keep getting away with it every single time blew up oh it's okay rebuild right back into contention um but the Packers job is going to be like not desirable. So if LaFleur, you know, wants to just be like, okay, you know, I'm gonna go, you know, I don't know whether LaFleur does uh, TV um, though. He is getting more long winded in his press conference answers lately. So maybe he's practicing um, for the analyst job or just, if, you know, if he I, does get a TV job, the perseverance count through the roof. <laughs> you can't go so five much. minutes without saying perseverance. 
It's absurd. The worst yeah, part is he's is we're starting to get like the repetitive things that we would get with McCarthy that we have basically figured out all of Lafleur's like little little idioms. Yeah. It the the thing with Lafleur one I wouldn't blame him. It's very cool to get TV checks. Two, Speaking it's really from hard experience to... or something. No, I'm just saying <laughs> in general it, that that money seems to be good when you're getting an offer. And it's like, yeah, Monday Night Football would have paid Sean McVay like $15 million a year. Seems nice. Two, it's really hard to find a quarterback. And then three, Green Bay is always going to have this thing where the the structure of the team is always going to be a little different than the rest of the NFL. And the general manager situation, like the general manager is always going to have somewhat of a pull there, right? Which is going to dissuade certain coaches. Like I'm sure... So like Sean Payton, I can, this is a good example. Sean Payton wants a weak owner and a good quarterback. That's it. So he's looking at, he's looking at the charters. He's looking at the Cardinals. He wants what he had with the saints. So you look at the saints. I mean, they're about as small of an organization from a front office standpoint, as you get in the NFL outside of like the, the uh, Bengals. Bengals. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a small time operation. Sean Payton was the man. He was the man in New Orleans, right? You can't really be the man of the Packers because the general manager is always going to have a certain amount of power. And it has changed a little bit. Like Ted was running the show in Green Bay. At the end, they both ended up reporting to um, Murphy. And now Goot and and LaFleur both report to Murphy. It's kind of like a ownership led rather than front office led structure. If you guys want to think about it that way, Sean Payton and guys like that, like these big time coaches who are looking for these second time or these, these second opportunities, right. They want a coach led structure, right? So it will be interesting. And the Packers have been kind of cheap, honestly, in terms of their hires. I mean, they could have had Rizzy, right? I mean, that could have been, the difference between the Super Bowl or not, right? And, you know, they finally failed enough at special teams that they decided, okay, we're going to hire Bisaccia. I don't think Joe Barry is up at the top of the league in terms of defensive coordinator, um, hires in terms of money. I don't think Stenovich is up there. Hackett probably was making more than Stenovich. It's actually kind of surprising how low some of these salaries for – so, like, a first-time NFL head coach, how much do you think that they're making? Millions per year. For a first-time guy, yeah, first-time guy. Well, it probably depends a little bit on how uh, well, like wanted Lef- they are. Lafleur, because like Lafleur was not like a like a dude as far as like you know he, he wasn't like Dayball out of Buffalo right. where it's like okay That's this right. guy's put multiple years of but like of a Lafleur or a, like a Zach Taylor. I don't know, like two to three million maybe. Well, it's higher than that. It's it's okay. like it's like four to five. Okay, but that's still dwarfed by by i mean like belichick's probably making like 12 and stuff like that so i mean there's a pretty huge difference that's why some college coaches wouldn't take nfl jobs just because of the money like the money differences there's a reason why you look at guys and you're like matt rule from baylor is the guy who who jumps up in the league and stuff and i think now people are looking you know what's a weird we're gonna get off of this we're rambling now we're gonna preview the detroit lions after this a name that came up for an NFL head coaching search, apparently like he he's, he's poking around. He wants to get into the league. Jeff trailer. Do you know who Jeff trailer is? I don't have no idea who Jeff, Tra- like I, I follow a decent amount of college football. I have no idea who that is. UTSA's head coach. Yeah. That would be why I don't know who that is. Like, I mean, that's what we're talking about when we talk about college guys jumping up to the NFL level, unless it's chip Kelly or it's Urban Meyer where they're getting the contracts that are the size of Gruden's, right? If you're getting a first-time guy jumping up, it's guys who are like the lower end of the P5 or the higher end of the G5, basically. Well, we even saw it with like Leonard, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't think everything with that had to do with money. Um, you know, his wife's family is from Madison. Wisconsin's his alma mater. And yeah. there was the implicit understanding that Leonard would at least get a shot at the head coaching job whenever Paul Christ was done. Um, but like, yeah, like I'm sure they could have, you know, offered him an amount of money that would have made him leave and they didn't. So to recap, 
first half of this podcast. <laughs> Don't freak out about not trading a wide receiver. We have no idea what the timeline of the Packers window is. If Aaron Rodgers retires, we don't know if Matt LaFleur is going. But other than that, everything's great. We've got yeah, a game other to than preview. That, we're good. This definitely wasn't an overreaction to five losses <laughs> in a season. Um, we're going to take a break. And on the other side, we're going to preview this uh, Lions game that hopefully won't leave us too disappointed. And we're back. The first thing you guys need to know about the Detroit Lions is their best player is hurt. DeAndre Swift came back last week, had five carries, was a non-participant in practice yesterday, was a limited participant today. Who knows what that looks like? Um, Jamal Williams has been doing solid for them. The the one kind of X factor is today, Taylor Decker, after being a full participant in practice on Wednesday, ended up getting injured and was a limited guy on Thursday. So who knows? I mean, that's a left tackle. That's a pretty important spot. We saw kind of last year, the Lions, I mean, that offensive line is very good, right? They will hit you over and over and over again. They had a whole playbook full of trick plays ready for us in week 18, for God's sakes. Um, in terms of the passing game, Jerry Goff isn't great, but if you let him just sit back there and pat the ball, he can dice you up especially against this game. We saw the first half in that, what was it, week two game last year. So Yeah, the sky was really falling after getting the, the beat down by the Saints. All of a sudden, Jared Goff is sitting back there, just literally, like you said, patting the ball because he's got a, a ball pat hitch problem. He's literally patting the ball and just diced him up for a half until the, until the, the uh, really the entire team woke up, but the defense finally like was able to get some pressure. Yeah, so it's going to be a big game for, I mean, Kenny, Preston, Rashawn Gary, um, you know, Preston's limited in practice back-to-back days with a shoulder and neck that they haven't really talked about. It kind of popped out of nowhere. That'd um, be a, like a stinger, right? Like you wouldn't have a shoulder neck designation for much else. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that is kind of worrisome though, right? So the Packers pass rush. In oh, you don't weeks, love the edge depth? <laughs> yeah. The edge depth has been worrisome. I think, Kingsley Inigbari has been doing a good job. He's kind of emerged. He's as good as you can realistically ask a fifth-round rookie to be playing right now. Um, he did kind of lose contain a couple of times against Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a great athlete. That's just going to happen. Jared Goff is is not Josh Allen. Um, that fourth Surprisingly rush, a decent athlete, though. Like, you think yeah, he's, he's a so statue, awesome. but he's okay. Yeah. Kirk had one. This past weekend too. Did you see? It's the same, Kirk's the same type of thing where he's like he's a little more athletic than you think, and it's not just because he's white. It's because you just expect these like Shanahan drop back guys to all have the coordination of Garoppolo. Yeah, no, that's true. the The fourth pass rusher has been weird on this team because it started off with um, Jonathan Garvin, who really kind of started off the year as like the third pass rusher on the team. He's been a healthy scratch for back to back weeks. They promoted Ladarius Gunter. Or elevated Ladarius Gunter. Oh, that's Gunter. a Freudian slip. Yeah. Oh, Ladarius Gunter. Oh, Ladarius <laughs> Hamilton. The cornerback. Oh, oh, it's because I was listening to RAE earlier, and they mentioned Ladarius Gunter in terms of the – I think it was like, what's the worst Packers team that made it to the playoffs? And they yes. were talking about Ladarius Gunter. Um, that game made me want to jump off of a plane set for uh, Mobile, Alabama. Um. Ladarius Hamilton. So he was elevated week seven. Week eight, they elevated Kobe Jones. And then they released Kobe Jones off of the practice squad this past week. So I have no idea what the heck's going to go on. Um, they they released him off of the practice squad so they could sign Patrick Taylor, who was released so that they could activate Kylan Hill. If you could follow that chain of events, they still have one open roster spot on their 53-man roster. That's probably going to be Chris Barnes. Chris Barnes started practicing uh, yesterday, they they uh, gave him the designation to return yesterday. So technically, he has a three-week window to return to the team. But if you do the math of, hey, they're looking like they want to activate this guy. We have an injury at inside linebacker with Devondre Campbell, who's missed back-to-back practices and left the game last week. And we have an open roster spot. I think we could put two and two together and say, Barnes is probably going to play. Um, I'm pretty worried about this defense. This is the most worried I've felt about this defense in a long time. And I've been the, at times, I guess I've been the Joe Barry apologist guy. 
But like now it's getting to the point where it's like teams know Darnell Savage can't fill the run and you're just sitting there and you're not making adjustments. So they're just going to keep doing it over and over again. You can just, you know, I mean, you can just put Rudy Ford on the field. Like we did, we we don't have to keep having Savage play the alley guy in these shells when he's just going to miss the tackle or he's going to pick the wrong hole, or even if he meets a running back, he's, you know, he's one of the, we talked about the weights, the receivers earlier, like he's 190 pounds and he doesn't have good tackle fundamentals. And so, you know, if coaches have the option to, you know, people talk about when you run like duo, you're trying to isolate, you know, corners and stuff. Well, if you can just run anything, that's going to isolate your running back moving to the second level with Darnell Savage, that's a, that's a play call win right there. And so, and Green Bay has not really done anything to muck up the front line to prevent that from happening, whether that be either with players or schematically trying to just muck up running lanes and and kind of uh, steal gaps. Um, They haven't really done much of it um, this season. And so you're leaving, you know, a guy who is frankly just not very good at this point. And that's, I'm saying that as someone who has been pretty high on Savage for a while, but it's, I mean, the writing's just on the wall. And particularly against this Lions team, like it becomes a problem because the strength of the team, like the best part is going to be that offensive line, which if they can get, you know, the Packers in, you know, if they get the Packers a nickel, they're, they're just gonna, they're just gonna roll them over because the Packers have just been dying in nickel um, all year. So, I mean, do they go to the penny front, which I feel like we talk about every, every week on, on at least one of the podcasts. I mean, if you're down a linebacker, that's one way to do it. Right. Yeah. If you want to I mean, keep Isaiah McDuffie off the field and just, well, have and, and if you just want to, if you just want to get Quay to just like stop thinking and just like, just go chase the football. Like, cause he's the, his, I mean, the big reason for the run defense being bad is they, you know, the, the Reed and Lowry have been bad, but Quay Walker is just, he's picking the wrong gaps all the time. He's missing tackles. Um, you know, just see ball, chase ball, you know, maybe that's what you have to do because what you are, what you have been doing is exactly what will lose you this game, particularly if, if DeAndre Swift does end up playing because he is like breaking all of the running back metrics this year. He he's putting together, you know, basically the best running back season since like Adrian Peterson. Yeah, no, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, up until last week, he had been out basically a month. But when he's been on the field, he's been great. Um, it is – it's it's so tough to evaluate this team because the defensive line just makes no plays. They make no plays. And that just makes everything so much harder. When you can – I mean, this is the same thing as last year. When you can extend drives to be – 15 plays, right? 10 to 15 plays. It just drains everyone. The one thing that was brought up this week in the presser, Joe Barry um, said, you know, Darnell Savage would be a hell of a a nickel for us if we could ever get him there. What does the best nickel, like secondary look like? Because I can see a world where, and a lot of people were like, move Rasul to, to safety, right? Just flip those two. Is Eric Stokes one of the five best? I was just gonna ask, like, do you actually totally sure. actually get better with with Stokes off the field, which is really disappointing given, you know. Yeah. Um, I know you personally have a lot um at stake with Eric Stokes being good. It's given given a reef in week two was like he's trash. I was like, What are you talking about? He's no, trash. but the thing is, is like last year he was I mean, he had he one of good. the lowest yards per target in the league. Now part of that he was getting targeted a lot. But yeah. you can if you're getting targeted a lot and you're not allowing much, I mean, I guess that's just kind of the best thing you can look for in a rookie corner because you're going to get targeted. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at some point it's just like, because Rasul in the like the Rasul in the slot thing has not worked great. He's looked better at outside corner. Yeah, exactly. So just, you know, and the thing is, is they've got everything flipped because I know there was a, um, on the touchdown throw to Diggs, which I, if you ever have actually seen the view from the backfield, the fact that that pass was completed is uh, unbelievable because Kenny Clark is in um, his face, right? As he's throwing it, but Rasul's ending up on the, on the side that he doesn't, he had not played on last year. Jair is playing on the other side, which is not the side that he had played on. So do you just reset things? You put Rasul at from the offense's perspective on that left side, Jair on the right side, Savage in the slot. And then, you know, Adrian Amos and Rudy Ford are your safeties. Like that might be the best five. That might be like, 
which like we came into the season and Green Bay didn't even have a safety three. Like we literally yeah. were like, okay, they've got two safeties and a bunch of special teamers. And you know, when Ford has played, he has looked better than what Savage has looked like. And, and you know, better than what Stokes has, has been, especially the last few weeks, it's been really, really rough for Stokes. Um, but I, I mean, I don't think Green Bay is going to give up on their second, second year, first round rookie. Like that has just never yeah. been their MO. They're always kind of, if anything, they're always too slow to make changes when they, when they should be a little bit more, uh, cutthroat. And Stokes is, you don't want to do like the body language psychologist thing. Right. But like Stokes might be the guy who like, if someone loses confidence, it looks like what Stokes is going through right now. Right. Successful year one, year two, you're kind of getting picked on. He, he got benched for one play. They gave up a touchdown. He had to be calmed down on the sideline last game. Right. Like that's maybe not a guy you really want to like mess with his confidence either, but it's just a thought. I mean, these guys are coming back next year outside of, I guess, Ford, I mean, Ford and Amos, goodness gracious. Well, I mean, and, and depending on kind of what happens with Rodgers, there's a chance they could just not, they don't want to pay Rasul's roster bonus and they could just cut him too. Like there's a little bit of pain there, yeah. but they still save money with it. If Rodgers is, is gone, I mean, you, you're going to have to try and save cap everywhere you can. And it's going to involve doing that. Dark times. It's going um, to be real dark. Defensively, we already mentioned that uh, Campbell, I think Campbell's probably not going to play. He's DMP back-to-back days. That's usually a bad sign. Uh, flip into the offense. The Lions really aren't facing that many injuries. Like Derek Barnes is a guy I like. He was a limited participant on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. The Lions defense is putrid. It is terrible. They just Historically fired, bad. They just fired their, their corner coach. Um, I don't think that's going to save them. I think the corners are just bad. Everyone, everyone says that Aaron Glenn is, you know, future head coach as a, uh, he's their DC right now, former NFL player, former corner. Um, they've spent picks there. I mean, Jeff Okuda was a, a top, top high end pick who ended up getting hurt and stuff. Those guys just haven't been playing good. Um, that's the one good news about the Lions, right? So like offensively, they can score points. They did have kind of like a two week lull. That was kind of weird but they're still up there in terms of like points scored in the NFL. The Packers might have to get into a shootout, but if there's ever been a like get right scenario for this Packers offense, it looks like this Lions defense. And we're about to find out how bad this receiving core is because yes. um, the Lions will man up. Like they, they're terrible at it, but that is, that's a pretty heavy dose of what they do. So we're going to find out just how bad like this receiving core is. Like if it is legitimately the worst group in the NFL, if they go into Detroit here and they can't pass the ball efficiently, you know, and it's one thing if they go in and they run all of the, you know, the, the RPO stuff, the swing screens and okay. Like, you know, Aaron Jones breaks three tackles. And at the end of the game, the, you know, the EPA per play looks really good, but like none of the passing was real, which is a like 60% of what happened in the bears game. Um, if this team is not like completing passes to the intermediate and, and deep parts of the field against this Lions defense, like even if the Packers win, it's just like, okay, so we, we beat the Lions. And as soon as we face an NFL defense again, it's the offense is going to come. The Dallas Cowboys are coming the next week. Oh, they're, they're going to like, yeah, I know you <laughs> talked about one game season, but I don't see any way that the Packers win that, that football game, I but know. we'll, 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 we'll get to that later, but just focusing on this Lions game, um, you know, this is maybe adjusted for era, the worst defense in the modern era of the NFL, which is like basically the post, you know, illegal contact um, rules in 2003. Like this might be the worst one. Like yeah. It's that bad. And so if you can't go out and you can't, if they don't hang 35 on them, like that's, now Green Bay plays at a snail's pace, but like if you're not putting up 31, 35 points and you win a 24 to 21 game, like that's, a, you know, we talk about, you know, maybe the Bills game was a moral victory. That's just a moral loss. You know, like you yeah. barely beat a team. You couldn't score on a team that's bad. You know, if you want to be the seven seed, you're going to have to like really be able to put up points against real teams. And if you can't do it against this Lions team, which is not good defensively, like, what are we doing here? You know, Malcolm Rodriguez 
Uh, everyone loved him on Hard Knocks. Six round pick. He's a rookie starting that starting that inside backer for him. He quickly went from like a happy story to just someone who's getting bullied constantly. I mean, they're they're picking on him twenty four seven. The the thing I don't understand about this offense and Lafleur's kind of they've kind of been speaking out of both sides of their mouth this week about this because Lafleur has been saying like, you know, we need to get more opportunities to pass the ball because that's how our explosive plays come. One that's not true, buddy. Who on the field <laughs> this year? Like who, I'm who's watching these down games. the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching these games. You're lying to me. <laughs> um, but then Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, I mean, we want to get. 33 and 28 going like that worked like we were moving down the field. The thing that killed them against Buffalo is they get punched in the mouth. They take shot plays and then they end up going down two scores instead of just one score. And it's like, you guys aren't, this team is they've cracked 30 once, right? Aaron, this is the, if this isn't 2011 or 2014, you we don't have Jordy running up the post where it's like, Oh, we just, we just got scored on. I'm going to hit Jordy for 74 yards. Yeah. This This team is not, you're not scoring in one play with this team. It's just not happening. You scored 30 once. It was against the Chicago Bears. I don't know if it's going to happen again this year. If, if might... it doesn't happen this week, it might not happen again. Yes. Yes. So go slow. Take your time. Run the piss out of the football. Yeah, because the Lions run defense also sucks. Yes, terrible. Find Malcolm Rodriguez every play. Point him out. Point right at him. And just <laughs> run the ball right at him. That's it. Um, this has kind of not been talked about as much, but David Bakhtiari's missed back-to-back practices. It's just getting really, really weird because when he's playing, he's like the last he couple of times he's game. played the last, the last two games he played. So the, 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 um, Jets game and the Bills mm-hmm. game, he's effectively been like pre ACL injury, David Bakhtiari. We didn't hear about Von Miller all night. Nope. Not just once. locked up. Lockdown. PFF gave him like a 90 pass blocking grade. He's given up one pressure across those two weeks. It's like, oh, this is just that dude. But we're going to play this game every single week of like, does David's knee act up or is he not comfortable with the way that the knee's feeling like every single week? Like, and I've talked about this earlier, but like, there's a decent chance that if the Packers have to move on from Bakhtiari after the season for cap reasons, that nobody signs him because what's he going to, what are these teams going to do? And so like, that's the game we're playing at. It's like, it's not even just like the Packers. Like what does his career look like from this point going forward where every single week it's like, you know, you you can't play your entire career questionable. And we got two of them now because Ellen's got dealing with the foot. They thought he was going to be able to go until 90 minutes before game time. And he's like, Nope, can't go. Got stepped on on Thursday practice. Can't play. Um, he was a non-participant yesterday, was limited on Thursday. So now we got both of the guys on the left side. I mean, I think Elton is probably going to play if he was that close to playing last week. Um, and he's already, you know, limited in practice. But Bach, at, at this point, I mean, this is 736 Pacific on Thursday, November 3rd. He's probably If you're out back-to-back practices, I'm just assuming that you're not going to be playing. So we, have, we haven't seen Bach miss back-to-back practices since he returned. So I'm going to assume – you know, Zach Tom is going to end up playing left tackle. Um, thankfully, the Lions don't have much of a pass rush on the edges. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is getting bullied by people. I saw, I've seen clips of Teron Armstead holding him back with one arm. It's not been great for uh, the, you know, former second overall pick. Offensively. Local friendly Chad. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other position to watch, right, is wide receiver. Um, Christian Watson's limited in practice today with a concussion, that's probably going to go down until like game time. And then Alan Lazard has the shoulder. He's been limited both days. That is progress though. Last week, Alan Lazard was not able to practice after he was, you know, in and out of the lineup against Washington with that shoulder injury. So that's at least a trend forward. I would assume Lazard is going to play Watson. Who knows with concussion protocol and all that stuff is going to be close to the end. We're seeing positive signs. That's, Pretty much all I got there. Aaron Rodgers also limited participant back-to-back practices. If he practices on Friday, it'll be the first week that he hasn't missed practice since he got injured in London, which feels like a huge deal, especially when we're talking about developing these young wide receivers. Like just having Rodgers and Watson in the same practice together 
Like that's a win. That's a win. Yeah. The um the, the receiver room. I mean, get it's. So do we get clarification on exactly what Lazard's injury was, or we just know it's like shoulder? All we know is shoulder. Because the yeah. way it was hanging, it's like he like had like an AC joint sprain or like a separated shoulder with the way it's just kind of hanging there. Yeah. It's gonna it's tough to ask him to get in and do a lot of dirty work if that's going on. Because as soon as he goes in and he has to has to hit it, he has to be on like he's just count. gonna he's just gonna like he's just gonna break. Yeah. And so like I almost wonder, you know, if they try and hold him back a week. Because I mean, if you can't, if Alan Lazard is the difference between you putting points on this Lions defense and not putting points on this Lions defense, then what? Again, like, what are we doing here? Well, so let's presume that Watson can't go. You got Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs, and Samari Touré, Amari Rogers. That's what you got for this game. Probably well, call. I mean, I mean, hey, free. you know, you you were able to pass the ball at least semi okay against a very good Bills pass defense, like. Because yeah, you're talking sure. about the guys we got a receiver. I mean, the uh, the Lions secondary yeah. is probably actually worse than that group of receivers. That's fair. That's fair. This game is at three and a half Packers on the road. I want to take the Lions. It, the line feels about the right, hook. The hook there. But it's like the five. The, there the half sense. is yes. the half is that's what it is. Because if it's like if it's a straight three, you're like. Well, first of all, you're like, Vegas, go screw yourself. Because, like, you know, Packers by a field goal feels about right. So the fact that they, they threw the they threw the hook on there is, is quite rude. But um, yeah. I'll say this. We will probably know after the first quarter what this game yeah. is going to look like. Two drives. Because if, if, if you know, because the first drives, like, those aren't – scripted drives aren't real. But you know, if they can go out – and they can put together a second drive. If they get up 14 nothing on this Lions team, and then, um, you know, Gary, and if, if Preston's healthy, can just go hunt Jared Goff in the, in the dropback game, this game will probably be over. Yeah. But if all of a sudden, if they're down 10 to three, two drives in, like, you know, if and Lions can stick in their under center game, like it's going to be, it's going to be bad. Ugly. Like it's, it, things are going to be really, really uh, tenuous. It will be kind of weird if it's like that, because because if the Packers go down a score early and just can't make up for it, I could well, see because you know you'll get the dead drive, you'll get the oh we down ten three yes uh, post route overthrow to Dobbs, run on second and ten, third and seven incomplete like that's how yes. it will that's how that drive will go. If they get into that situation, I could see both teams just like sticking to their guns and just like playing under center the entire like a very fast game where there's basically no punts involved is is what I could see if that happens. I would I kind of want to take the over in this game. Just what is the line on the on that? Let me look it up. On DraftKings, our <laughs> the official sponsor of uh SB Nation sites. Uh Kevin Hart's face. It is 49 and a half. Pretty high. That's pretty high, especially pretty like high it's pretty high. And, and Green Bay plays really slow. Like you yeah. know, you, you're gonna see a lot of double zeros. The um, the the play might be like under punts. Yeah, I'd like to see under punts in this game. That is some true degenerate shit. Of like, hey, can I get the underline on the number of punts in this game? Because both of these defenses suck. I've talked about this before, but there's a guy I know, pro gambler. Literally all he does, right? Bets on, for the most part, like, I mean, he's a pro gambler. He gambles for fun, right? But for the most part, bets on two things. Mexican baseball. And he bets on uh, longest field goal made in the NFL. Just hammers those props. Real degenerate stuff. People, People think being a pro gambler is like, Betting on NFL games and stuff? No. Too much, guys, too, too much money. The lines are too perfect. These guys, you will never meet a bigger WNBA fan than pro gamblers. Like, they want all of these, like, yeah, they they want in on, on lines that don't have a ton of action. On. Yep, give them enough data, like a sport that they yes. can get enough data from. But then there's not enough action because there's not enough yes. money. Like, all these NFL things, there's not, there's, there's, 
the market does um, too good of a job of, yeah. of perfecting them. You got to find the semi obscure sport, you know, all the, all the pro soccer gamblers, they don't bet on the premier league. They, yeah. They're betting on not even second tier, like third tier uh, leagues because there's enough information, but, but uh, no, there's no action. Yeah. All right. Lions cover total looks solid under on punts. That's what we got this week. This Lock is in. this is the Packers season now. I hope I don't sound like a Debbie Downer. I'm watching these football games. No, I mean at this players. point we're locked in. Like, hey, go get the seven seed. We'll see what happens. There's there's no rebuild or punt option. Like this yeah. is what we're locked into. So hey, you go. You know the the optimist thing. Like I'll, you'll say you know they'll say that piece. And I'll be like, hey, the optimist view is the Packers go and win by twenty because they just rack up a ton of points. The offense looks a little bit better. They start feeling themselves a little bit. That's the best case scenario. We'll see. That would be fun. I don't. I don't. I don't believe but, it. But that's the best yeah. case scenario. <laughs> I really. I'm trying to think of ideas for next week, right? Because this lion game feels tight, but we do kind of expect to win. If we lose, all bets are off. The sky's <laughs> falling. Everything is on fire. Sell everyone. Fire everyone. Right. But if we are coming off of a win. Going into the McCarthy game. The McCarthy Bowl. I'm scared of what could happen that week. I'm scared of what my brain will shift itself into. I'm just, I'm thinking, this just popped into my brain now, which just shows how like little I'm aware of the schedule beyond the very next week. But I, if the Packers do win, um, and so it won't just be like a pout fest because the Packers lose Rogers is probably just going to go like full pout the rest of the year because there's just no hope. It's, it's just, there's no way you'd have to go undefeated, but if they win, I'm just imagining the levels of, of hero ball in like dragging 20, like 14 out of himself that he is going to try to do because despite what they all say publicly, like we know that Aaron Rodgers does not, of course. Like, nor does he even respect Yes, of course. Because we, we know the, the rumor or that he's like, this is the dumbest coach that I have ever had in my entire life. And so, you know, what he is going to try and do next week is either going to be Herculean in terms of like 2016, like it's just completely on his back. Or I'm going to want to scratch my eyeballs out because he's going to try and play hero ball and it's going to fail so badly. Um, there's really, there's no, like Rogers goes in and throws for like two thirty and two touchdowns. It's either he puts together like a vintage MVP performance or it's truly miserable. And he's got like two interceptions and an NEA of like two and a half. There's no other choice. It's our Super Bowl. It's our Super Bowl. I mean, there's they're not winning the real one. So yes, this is everything. This is everything this year is going to be that Dallas Cowboys game. Um, I'm scared of what you'll bet on for that game. Like your, your brain oh is just going to like, it's not going to function properly. And so you'll just be like, you'll, and the thing is you'll be hitting like all the live numbers as the game is going on. So. <laughs> I'll be like, <laughs> yep, here comes the choke job. Fade him, yep. fade him, fade him. Fade him, yeah. fade, fade. All right, guys. Uh, keep it tuned oh. to the feed. Keep it tuned to the website. We'll get injury reports and all that stuff up on Friday. Um, We'll get polls out, which those have been fun. The SB Nation reacts. We got what I asked this week. I asked you guys if Joe Barry is going to be the defensive coordinator next year, which was a question <laughs> Matt LaFleur got and laughed it off. Um, I, I have a feeling you guys are going to feel a little bit differently about that. Uh, we'll, we'll have all the inactives and stuff up on Sunday. We'll have the recap. Um, uh, we'll have repack. And then uh, we'll start previewing the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks for joining, Archon. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me.